not too long ago, that um, pastors ought to learn something from farmers. You know, farmers, uh, since we've been doing stuff out at Teeter, uh, I look at the weather all the time. Uh, my daughter has become kind of obsessed with the radar now because uh, she sees me looking at it, and so she's kind of interested in it too. But, um, you know, when, when the weather is bad outside, people really don't mind a long sermon. Uh, but when weather is beautiful, people kind of resent it. Um, so if you remember back uh, five weeks ago when we began this series, I pre preached a marathon-length sermon. It really wasn't that long. It was like, you know, there's a lot of churches where they preach like a half hour or more every single week. Uh, and so I subjected you to about 28 minutes that day. But today, you're in luck. I watched the weather as I was preparing for this sermon, and it's short. Uh, so as long as that one was, this one is equally as short today. But I don't think that it's uh, um, of less value, just that um, I realize it's beautiful outside too. So let's pray. Gracious God, we do give you thanks for this day. And we ask that you continue to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, Open our hearts and our minds so that we may receive your word proclaimed and with joy uh, join you uh, in your work in the world and trust that your spirit will empower us to be uh, before and to uh, those who need our touch, uh, all that you ask. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, over the past few weeks, we've attempted to make clear our primary task as members of the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, as missionaries, is to unite ourselves individually and collectively in the embodiment of the good news. The good news that Christ, out of his great love for all of creation, has come into the world to reconcile us to God and to one another, to model the ways of kingdom living and to heal us from all that would divide. Our scripture reading today from Psalm 37, 4, again says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I realize a lot of times um, when we do Bible study in the church, um, you know, if you go to Disciple Bible Study, like for instance, Disciple Bible Study 1 is 34 weeks long. As someone who has facilitated, I think now, three or four rounds of the entire cycle of disciple Bible studies, I realize that not everyone that is assigned to them every week. And I'll confess as the leader sometimes, I don't read everything that's assigned to us every week out of our, out of our scripture lesson. So sometimes we become kind of like we read books. Uh, or read the paper where we kind of get the headlines, you know, or we uh, just kind of skim through it to kind of get the gist of it. You know, there's even websites and uh, uh, little things you can get in your email box that say, you know, the top five things you need to know today in the news. You know, for people that don't want to read the news, they just want to know a few things that are going on in the world, uh, so they're not totally oblivious. Um, and so... I realize that's the way we a lot of times we also touch on scripture, but today I really want us to focus in a little bit and be a little more particular, at least with this beginning part of this passage. Delight yourself in the Lord. It doesn't just say delight yourself. 
You know, we can delight ourselves in all kinds of ways, uh, probably in ways that are good and bad for us. Uh, so we won't get into that. Uh, but we're delighting ourselves in a particular way. We're delighting ourselves in the Lord. Well, delight, you know, is, is a good thing. You know, when was the last time you experienced delight? Can you think of it? It is a wonderful, if often rare, thing for most of us, but delight, I think, is possible and good. If you really take the first part of this passage of Scripture seriously, delight yourself in the Lord, what must happen? Well, to delight yourself in the Lord, you first have to have a sense of who you are delighting in, right? Uh, it's hard to delight in the Lord if you don't know who and what the Lord is all about. So first of all, God loves you. And God loves all that God has created. So that's kind of the baseline. Uh, if you recognize uh, that love uh, for you, uh, then you also recognize that love that God has for all of humanity and all, in fact, all of creation, not just humanity. And then we're very lucky as Christians because that in Jesus Christ, God has become incarnate. God has come to us in flesh and bone and has walked among us, has walked on the streets that we could walk on, has come and interacted with people, even difficult people like all of us have encountered at some point in life. Therefore, all that there is of God is revealed to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is nothing hidden from view. God shows us who God is in Jesus. That's important too. Because who Jesus is, is critical. He is the bearer of this good news. The Bible itself is a vehicle that Jesus uses. If you look at how Jesus uses scripture um, throughout the gospels, he uses it as a vehicle to move people towards the good news uh, that he has come into the world and the world is a different place, that his kingdom is being established in the world, a kingdom based on peace and love and justice and mercy and forgiveness and setting ourselves aside for the good of others. Have you ever heard the phrase spitting image? Anybody heard that before? Yeah, it's probably most of you. Well, typically people say something like, you're the spitting image of your father or you're the spitting image of your mother. Nobody is for sure exactly where this phrase came from, but it has been said that it comes from the combination of spirit and image. It means more than just that you look like the person. As Shane Claiborne points out, it goes beyond just appearance to include character and temperament too. It means that you remind people of that other person. You have their charisma. You do the same things that they did. So for us to delight in the Lord, we need to look closely at what Jesus said, where Jesus stood, and with who, and what Jesus did. You might remember uh, that crazy guy uh, who was 
shouting out in the wilderness and, and wore a, a crazy outfit and smelled of locusts and honey. Remember that guy, John the Baptist? Well, he was sent by God to prepare the way for the long-awaited Messiah, calling people to repent and turn back to God. And at one point, John sent his disciples to ask Jesus if he was the one that they were expecting. And he did not answer with a simple yes. Isn't Jesus kind of aggravating that way sometimes? The other day I was watching some news thing and this reporter was, had two uh, senators on the screen and she was asking them, she said, I'm going to ask you five questions and I just want yes or no. That's all I want, yes or no. And I was going, oh yeah, right. You know, that scripture, let your yes be yes and no be no. I think that goes out of the, out the window at certain points. But anyway, um, and of course she asked the question and one of them just would say, well, and then they give, give all their explanation. They never would say yes or no. Uh, well, Jesus is kind of like that here. You know, he doesn't just say yes. That's what they want. I just want yes or no, Jesus. I don't want a parable. I don't want a well, sort of, maybe. I want definitive. You know, I'm out here screaming in the wilderness, you know, eating locusts and honey and, you know, stinking. I want to know. Is this for vain or are you the one? Jesus instead, though, told them to go tell John what they saw him doing. What they saw him doing. He knew that John could follow the breadcrumb trail from there to the answer to his question. John knew that when lepers were healed, when the blind saw, the dead rose, and the good news was preached to the poor, that the one that they were waiting for was indeed here. In the truest sense, Christians are to be the spitting image of Jesus in the world. We are to preach the things that Jesus preached and to live the way that he lived. We are to follow in the footsteps so closely that we get his dust on us. We are to remind the world of Jesus. The criteria for which something is a manifestation of the kingdom is the person of Jesus. Does it look like him? Do you look like him? Do we as a body together look like him? Take your pretend hand mirror. You know, take your mirror here. Look, oh, there you go. Yeah, look at you, handsome devil. Anyway, take a look at it. Hold it out here. Hold it out in front of you. Hold it out. Take a look at yourself. Do you look like Jesus? And I don't mean with a beard and a man. And if you do, how so? And if not, why not? Because God is able, if we ask, when we look in that mirror every morning, because I'm sure all of you do, some of you probably multiple times a day, we look at ourselves and, you know, we want to be presentable to the world. And that's 
reasonable and okay. But when we look in that mirror, what do we see? Because chances are what we see there reflected back at us is also what others will see reflected as well. That gets back to that whole beginning part about do we feel like God loves us or do we know that God loves us? Even if we've got a blemish here and there or hair out of place, you know. My wife says when my hair gets this long, I look, she calls this my Blagojevich after the uh, imprisoned, uh, you know, friend from Illinois. But anyway, um, it's too nasty, uh, too long. Um, but regardless of how we look in that mirror physically, Do we recognize that God loves us and can use us and work through us even though we are imperfect and um, often uh, see ourselves as unworthy or unqualified disciples? Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God. Be the spitting image of Jesus. As a missional congregation, uh, every member is encouraged to hear and pursue God's direction as an authentic disciple on mission in the revolutionary agenda of the kingdom of God. We are to do the things that Jesus did. We are to care about those who Jesus cared about. And then the more that we are renewed in our relationship with God, the more we embrace God's uh, love for us, then we are filled by his spirit and we are equipped uh, for kingdom living. Uh, so that's kind of the kingdom comes into us. And then our lives will consistently reflect kingdom values out once it's inside of us. Uh, we can't bottle it up. We can't keep it inside of us, but we're different. You know, people should go, what's different about you? And it shouldn't just be your hairstyle or your glasses or this or that. They should be able to see something in you, a light, a spark, a passion. And as we begin to place ourselves under the rule of Christ more and more, we will find ourselves saying, here I am. And I want it to be absolutely yours today, Lord. And I want to be open to whatever you have for me. Wherever I am, wherever you place me in my sphere of influence, whether that's the grocery store or your work or your family or wherever it is. And when we say that, we will also begin to stand in a different place. We'll begin to stand in the place of Jesus. And we will take up the side of the dispossessed. We will set aside our security and look at the system from the bottom and realize from this perspective more than just one thing. We'll be able to start to see all things. And as those who often inhabit a position um, of privilege, we are called to utilize our position and our power for the common good and especially for the poor. 
Because we have the ability to have an impact because of the place we find ourselves here in one of the richest counties in, in Indiana. And living as free people in America, you know, we have a responsibility and we have a position that allows us to have an impact. Uh, but if it only impacts us, then it isn't the impact that Christ was looking for. He wants us to have an impact that's larger than just ourselves. You know, we have all received precious gifts from God. You all have wonderful value. If for no other reason than God loves you. And these gifts that we've been given from God are made sacred in our service to him and to our neighbors. It is our responsibility to honor those gifts and the one who gave them by building for the kingdom here and now and on into the future. We all have a part to play as we seek to be the spitting image of Christ our Lord. In the end, it is not merely our assent to a set of beliefs that matters, but rather our enacting of Christ's kingdom values of love and justice, peace and mercy each and every day, which in turn works toward binding up and healing all that is broken in us and in our world. So be encouraged this day. Recognize your value and recognize Christ's spirit's ability to work within you to make you far more than you can be on your own. Embrace and trust in the Holy Spirit and use the gifts that you possess and possess in the mission field which you inhabit. Give up your selfish desires. Look at the world from below to see all that you have been missing. Align your values and actions with Christ's values and actions. And then finally you will be able to truly, truly delight yourself in the Lord. And then he will give you the desires of your heart. Amen.